What's up and welcome to the Locked on Bucks podcast. I am James Yarko joined as I always was at the Walking the Plank podcast with David Harrison. David, how you doing, buddy? Doing great, James. How are you? I'm excited to get this thing kicked off, brother. You know, we're uh, we're excited to be part of the Locked On Network now and, and take over the Locked On Bucks podcast. For those of you that don't know us, David and I are the co-experts of the Pewter Plank, the uh, fan-sided Tampa Bay Buccaneers page, and we've been running a, a podcast of our own here since uh, about March, where we were we did our 37th episode yesterday, and. Uh, and yeah, we've uh, we've now joined the Locked On Network, and we are excited to get started. So that's a little bit of uh, of who David and myself are. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at jyarko underscore bucks. David is at dh82 underscore bucks. And of course, you can find us at the Pewter Plank and at Locked On Bucks. So David, what a what a day for us to uh, to get this thing started, man. I mean, there was just news after news after news uh rolling in today and let's go ahead and start with basically the the first news that hit and that was that Ali Marpet and DeMar Dotson are headed to the IR their season is over and this was kind of puzzling to me personally because yes Ali and and DeMar both left the game on Sunday with injuries but they both came back and they both finished so now all of a sudden they're headed to IR their season's done so we're going to have Joe Hawley coming in. Hopefully Evan Smith can come back because that would help out, you know, a, a little bit. But it also, if this was a move that the Buccaneers were going to make, you're now looking at a team that just released their best blocking tight end, arguably the best blocker on the team, period, in Luke Stocker. They had to have known that this move was going to be made. Why would you get rid of a blocker like like Stocker? you know, not to play the rhyming game here, but why would you get rid of, of somebody like Luke Stalker if you knew that you were about to lose Allie and, and DeMar? Yeah, I don't know. The The Stalker move was probably the most surprising to me just from the finality of it, you know, just, just straight up, uh, just putting them off your roster. Uh, Marpet and Dotson going to the IR, I definitely didn't have, uh, you know, on my radar anywhere. So just, just like you said, kind of just an interesting day to get this thing kicked off. But I mean, uh bad news in some ways or uh, bad luck in some ways good luck in others right i mean we've got a lot to talk about on our very first episode here so but even even further down the line beyond beyond those guys i mean doug martin didn't participate in in practice you know still apparently uh feeling some effects from his concussion vernon hargrave hargraves you know with that hamstring i don't know if we're gonna see him for the rest of the year you know how, how hamstrings are they're and so then, fickle they're yeah. so fickle and Deshaun Jackson didn't participate. And I mean, that could just be, you know, he's he's got a he's got a foot issue and he's a veteran. So, you know, we can trust him to still be ready for the game and not have him participate. I don't think his did not participate is as worrisome as as guys like Martin and Hargraves. But yeah, this uh, between the injuries that this team has um and, and and the release of of soccer and and the IR moves by by Dotson and Marpet, just you know, it, I don't I don't want to call it, you know, a, a tanking situation but you know it's it's kind of what it looks like on the surface and you and you hope that that's not the motivation behind it because you you never want to see an NFL team just fold and if if they're folding there's some other moves that I know we're going to get to that are equally if not more confusing and frustrating 
<laughs> yeah, we'll definitely get to that big news uh, here in just a little bit. But some other uh, players that did not participate in practice on on Wednesday, uh, Clinton McDonald did not participate. He has a back injury. Josh Robinson, also a hamstring, just like Vernon Hargraves. And uh, TJ Ward is in the concussion protocol. So none of those guys participated. Uh, Robert Ayers in, uh, in the concussion protocol, he was a limited participant. And you had Robert McClain and Gerald McCoy, both with shoulder issues, were full participants. Uh, Evan Smith, who, who I just mentioned a few minutes ago, he's been in the concussion protocol. He was a full participant, so that that looks to me like he's going to play on Sunday, which they'll definitely need. And you had, um, you had, of course, Jameis Winston as a full participant in, yeah. in practice. And we're going to, we're going to dive into that news here in, in just a little bit. Um, going back to Marpet and, and Dotson here, obviously we're going to get, we're going to get Joe Holly at center who do you think is, is the best fit to slide in for DeMar Dotson? Uh, I don't even know. I mean, I think Beninock probably goes in there. You think Beninock starts? Uh, maybe. Yeah. I, I would lean, personally, I was leaning more Pam Feel. Um, he's, he's a versatile guy. He's, he's busted his butt and... Maybe if <laughs> maybe if they get Pam Feel and, and Smith both on the line at the same time, then we don't have a rotation issue anymore. Right, that would be nice. But I'm kind of looking like at the the <laughs> whole youth thing, like bringing Bobo Wilson up. You know what I mean? Bringing that's bring a great in, point. Bringing Allen Cross back. Like I just I think the team. If it just it feels like the team is trying to see what their young guys have for them, which I don't necessarily disagree with. That's why I went you know earlier, uh, just just a couple minutes ago when I kind of mentioned the the T word, right. Like I'm hesitant to just say like this is a tanking move because it it feels more like uh we know we're not really playing for the playoffs. Let's see what we have so that we're in a better position next season, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Now, it, it's kind of one of those things, right? Like so, um, I was thinking about this earlier today, talking and talking to some people at work about it. And you go to the gym, you got two guys standing next to each other. One of them is standing there next to a machine. The other guy is standing next to a machine. What's the difference between between the two? Well, one of them's taking a break from working out. One of them is just lazy and wants to look like he works out, right? So <laughs> that's the difference between tanking and finding out what you have on your roster. They look very similar because a team that tanks is going to put inexperienced young players on the field because they're hoping that their guys will lose and they'll get better draft picks. Well, a team that's looking to see what they have for the future is also going to put young guys on the field. And the result, I mean, most often is probably going to be some some losses, you know, um, along the way. So again, tanking and playing your youth to see what they have, get them some experience, look very similar. So I just, I kind of, I'm kind of hesitant to just read too much into it. But so that's, that's kind of why I say Beninock, because I mean, if that's the trend, then maybe that's where they go to see what he's really got and what, what he's made of. Um, I could definitely see Pam fill out there and, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily disagree with either move, I guess, at, at this point. But going back to Stalker, like you, you brought it up and you mentioned it. And I know I didn't really give it the full attention, but. What what possibly confuses me the most about Stalker is is the tight end situation in general. You know, you, they went out and got OJ Howard, so he's making first round pick money, and I know it's not break the bank money, but it's it's first round pick money. Cameron Braid is a free agent. I don't know what his feeling is about the team, but I mean, he was 
the primary tight end a year ago had kind of people around the NFL buzzing about him being one of those, you know, potential like guys to start, you know, sniffing up to like the, I don't want to say the Travis Kelsey level, but kind of right below the Travis Kelsey level. And now this year, you know, he's, he's kind of faded into, into darkness, you know, um, his usage rate has gone way down and OJ Howard's usage rate has started to go up and, and OJ has definitely shown why he was a first round draft pick. So I kind of wonder, you know, they're not going to tag a tight end. You know, the, the, I don't see the Buccaneers doing that anytime soon. Oh, no, so, no. you know, I wonder if Cam Brait, you know, I don't know how much loyalty means to him as, as a player. You know, we, we kind of talked about that yesterday and in, in our final episode over there. But, you know, I, losing Luke Stocker now, you know, you have Au Claire, who I like from a potential standpoint. You know, you've got uh, you've got Mark Cook's, you know, what is it? Illegit- illegitimate son is that they call him. Yeah, Alan Cross. Um, That's what yeah. I named him. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, so there's so there's some potential talent there. So I get that. But I don't know. It seems kind of a risky move. You're getting rid of your only veteran that you really kind of know what you're getting in a season where you might be losing your most experienced second best tight end uh, ceiling wise. So it's just kind of curious on that that aspect to to hit back on the uh, the uh, Luke Stocker point. Yeah, well, and and now the the fear is, of course, with. With Marpet and Dotson, who have been the two best offensive linemen uh, so far this season for the Buccaneers, with with both of those guys out, and here comes Jameis Winston returning this Sunday against the Packers. David, the Buccaneers tried to break the internet, or at least break Buccaneers Twitter today, when they announced that Jameis Winston will, in fact, be starting this Sunday against the Green Bay Packers. And something that that Dirk Cutter said when he was asked who the starter was going to be, he said, Jameis is going to start on Sunday. Any player that is ever back practicing, when have we ever not done that? When does a player not come back and return to being a starter that week? Oh, boy. We talked about this on, on our Walking the Plank podcast yesterday with Trevor Sikkim of the Pewter Report. This is a terrible idea. This is an absolutely god-awful, terrible idea. Nothing good can come of this. We are in a situation now where Jameis Winston has been playing with a hurt shoulder longer than than a lot of us thought. And and real quick here, I'm going to play a soundbite from Ian Rappaport on the NFL Network talking about the Jameis Winston injury. If I can get this to load. Trouble. What's interesting here, you know, they mentioned the fan reaction, which which is something that obviously football people should not consider when making football decisions. But it's important to note that the Jameis Winston we saw earlier this year, uh, going really from week two, probably until he got sat down, was a Winston whose throwing shoulder was hurt. You know, he, he had a sprained AC joint. He also had a rear deltoid issue that he was battling through. He didn't play great, but he's been injured. He's been fighting through a lot of different things, and it's important to know that. And now the PRP treatments have worked, took a couple weeks, but they worked. He's going to be back at full strength. And, of course, he's going to be out there as a starting quarterback for the Bucs. So you have a – uh-oh, it's playing again. You, you have a quarterback who has been – been injured virtually all season behind an offensive line that has been relatively unimpressive virtually all season losing 
their two most productive offensive linemen, releasing their best blocking tight end in a season where the playoffs are not mathematically impossible, but pretty much a pipe dream. They have to run the table and they have to have help. And you have your franchise quarterback who big picture, big picture here. And this is, this is my focus when people keep saying, you know, he's not as great as we think he is. He's not, you know, the chosen one. He needs to continue to work. He needs to continue to develop. I agree. He does need to continue to work. He does need to continue to develop because he's not there yet. He's a 23 year old in his third season. But what good does it do this team over the course of the next decade to trot him out there now, risk injuring the shoulder worse? And as you pointed out yesterday on, on our other show, this, this could be an RG3 situation. This could be a situation where Jameis Winston goes onto the field in Green Bay, in Lambeau, where it's going to be 43 degrees, that ground is going to be rock solid hard. And if he takes a hard shot to that shoulder, I mean, it could derail him for years. And that's that's not an exaggeration. That's not a, a over-the-top reaction. It's, it's a legitimate concern for the well-being of this franchise Next year, in 2019, in 2020, in 2021. This is why I have been so adamant since the Cardinals game that Jameis Winston is going to need to be shut down if the shoulder is as bad as we think, and it turns out it was worse than we thought. Yeah, no, I I 100% agree with everything you're saying. There's, There's no upside to this, and I think that the the mantra of he's our franchise quarterback he's our starter so if he's available he's going to play is a cop out um i, I really sure. do i think it's it's an excuse to not have to own the decision because you know it's it's like it, it it's just that's just what it feels like to me to be honest with you and 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 there i don't agree with it whatsoever because you have an injured franchise player you have an in, injured starter you know and and I know you want your best players out there. You always want your best players out there. But if you want your best players out there, then why did you release Luke Stocker? Because you can't tell me that Alan Cross is better than Luke Stocker genuinely, or else you would have had Alan Cross on your roster the whole time and not Luke Stocker in the first place, right? So that tells me that at least on some level, some playing field in 2017, you believe Luke Stocker is a better player than Alan Cross. Now, Cross might have the better upside, the better potential as a developmental you know, player, got it, agree 100%. But we're talking about right now. We're not talking about the future because if you're talking about the future, you're not starting Jameis Winston. And, and, there's, and like I said, there's no winning here. So if Jameis Winston comes out in the next five games and plays well and shows everyone that he's healthy, because I'm not questioning his health, you know what I mean? Um, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a medical person, person in, in any way, shape, or form. I've never played big-time college football as a quarterback. I've never had the injury that he's had and recovered from it. So I have zero basis to make any type of medical judgment on Winston's availability, practice, and all that. So that's not what this is about. This is about the future. And you've already covered it. We, we talked about it yesterday. Many people talked about it. 
it, it's an RG3 waiting to happen. So option one is he plays really well. That's fantastic. This quarterback is probably getting suspended. Yeah. Um, everybody needs to accept that. I know I agree with Trevor, just like he said yesterday. I'm going to say it again tonight. We'll get deeper into that into the offseason because I'm sure that's when this is all going to come to a head is in the offseason, like March time frame, right? But, you know, if I have to bet on it, I'm betting on the line that says he's getting suspended for at least four games up to six games, okay? You need to know what you have. This team needs to know if they have a backup quarterback worthy of trotting out there for four to six games next year, which is going to either be Ryan Griffin or it's going to be Ryan Fitzpatrick if they decide to bring him back and he decides to come back again, or it's going to be whoever they draft in the NFL draft next year. So this tells me that this team is either sold into, if we're looking at it from that aspect, this team is already sold into we're drafting a quarterback next year. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. So there's really no reason to find out what we have in Ryan Griffin, and we already know what we have in Ryan Fitzpatrick. That could very well be the case. What I think it is is it's a last-ditch at- attempt to say, look at what I can do with your quarterback by Dirk Cutter. It's his last chance to say, listen, we can still make this work, the end of the season may not go 5-0. and oh. It may go 1-4, but now he can lean on. Well, we didn't have Allie. We didn't have DeMar out there. You know, Mike Evans has, has been hobbled a little bit. He was holding his hamstring a lot, you know, last week. And he's not on the injury report. The defense has been banged up, missing Quan for a period, Levante at a period, Vernon Hargraves for a period, you know. So we have all these things going on. The team never quit on me, which which is valid. The team never quit. The team hasn't quit. And look what I was able to do. If, if, if Dirk Cutter... I think somewhere in Dirk Cutter's mind, if he can get Jameis Winston to finish the game the way the season, the way he started the season, right? He started the season with three 300 plus yard passing games and seven touchdowns. Granted, there were two and two in those four games. But if he can get Jameis to finish that way, then I think he thinks in his mind somewhere he can convince the Glazers that, listen, there's still gas left in this tank. Let's roll forward with what we have. And that's why Jameis is starting. So that's if he does well. That's your best case scenario is. Dirk Cutter keeps his job because he shows that he can still effectively run James Winston with his offense. And the team is already sold that they're going to draft their backup quarterback of the future. Okay. Worst case scenario is he gets slammed onto the green Bay turf or field tundra, whatever it's called and re injures his shoulder or injures his already injured shoulder even more and we do. We have an RG3 situation where now we have a quarterback who had all the potential in the world who just got damaged irreparably by a head coach desperate to keep his job using the passion of an NFL football player against him. Because that's what we're hearing already is, well, if your starter is cleared to play, he's going to play. That's a cop out. And if this player gets hurt and, the, and, the, and his career gets damaged and the franchise future gets damaged, then... It's going to be what Mike Shanahan said about RG3. The player wanted to play. So who am I to hold the player back? You're the sinking head coach. You're the guy the owners gave the keys to the franchise to to steer them in a direction of success. Not a Super Bowl today and never again. John Gruden did that. Got him a Super Bowl today and never again. And guess what? He got fired. Your job is not to just win a championship. Your job is to develop a franchise that can be consistent challengers and competitors and winners. And that's why guys like Mike Tomlin, Bill Belichick, uh, is it Jim or John? It's John Harbaugh in Baltimore, right? That's why those guys still have jobs. Because even when Baltimore's struggling, even when Pittsburgh's struggling, there's always a sense that this team is going to be able to compete 
moving forward. So that's why those guys have jobs. And this is not a move that's going to ensure that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers can, can, can compete moving forward. So this isn't a coach who's being a steward of his team. This is a coach who's being a protector of his own career. We're, we're discussing the, the decision to start Jameis Winston. And, and David, I picked a couple of quotes out here um, regarding yep. this decision that, that I found to be kind of telling, kind of interesting, and, and wanted to get your takes on them. First one we have is, is Dirk Cutter. He was at the podium talking to the media as he is every every Wednesday. And somebody asked him about about Jameis's health and and being a full participant and all that. And he says, We're still taking it. <clears throat> excuse me. We are still taking it day to day. But he he took the majority of the reps out there today. He threw the football fine. His arm strength was fine. I don't think any guy that plays a skill position like that where timing is involved is going to take three weeks off and going to be perfect on the first day, but we will see how the week goes. Here's my question. If the strength is is fine, great. But you're talking about timing and taking three weeks off and then you're going to say, we'll see how the week goes, but he's already been named your starter. Like, right. what, is, what is he even talking about? So strength is a measurement of force, right? Sure. Timing is not about force. Timing is about the, the motion of a quarterback's arm in relation to the time it takes from him to mentally make a decision send that signal from his brain to his arm and for the arm to come into motion and fire the ball and release the ball at the right, at the right point in order for the trajectory of the, of the, of the pass to get to the receiver at the certain time and, and all that stuff. Arm strength is not a concern. Arm strength has never been a concern. Um, I, I told you this after, after I got done watching the Bills game where I was fortunate enough to be uh, sitting pretty much on the sideline. Every time there was a break in the game, whether it was a timeout, or a TV timeout or a kickoff or, or whatever, what have you, Jameis was over on the sideline throwing passes because he needed to keep his arm as loose as possible because it's hurt. And when muscles get hurt and when tendons get hurt, we all have the same reaction to that stuff. Your muscles tighten up and they, they seal off that area to protect it. That's your body's natural reaction to things, right? So he was over there. That's that's all he would do. I, I don't remember seeing him once during a timeout come over and actually talk to Dirk Cutter. Now they got the communication devices, so you know very well. Dirk could have been speaking into the microphone, and and Jameis is is picking up everything he's saying. Got it. Um, that's that's not a, a huge talking point. But at the end of the day, the type of injury that Jameis has is not going to. Well, I don't want to say it's not going to affect arm strength because everything and if, if you hurt your arm you're going to affect arm strength right got it but arm strength isn't the concern it's the timing and you're saying it right there in that quote asking a guy who's playing a position that is is keyed in on timing to come in and be perfect after three weeks is illogical well so is asking a guy who's just coming off of a of a throwing shoulder injury to come play in cold temperatures on the road in one of the one of the most you know home team friendly environments in the NFL for a team that is out of the playoff picture. I know I keep harping on that, but that really, really <sighs> irks me. But going off off the injury, I mean, that's why, you know, um, a, a, a plantar, uh, was it plantar fasciitis, right? Injury yeah. would hinder a running or a wide receiver more than it would hinder a quarterback. 
It hinders a quarterback because they got a plant and, and, you know, depending on the foot and all that stuff. But a wide receiver, every single thing they do involves that foot. So you put a foot injury on a wide receiver, hence the reason Deshaun Jackson didn't practice today, they're going to have problems. And when you talk about, again, a skill position that relies on timing, Deshaun Jackson, Mike Evans, whoever you are, you need to be at a spot by a certain time or else the play gets knocked off off the rails. You wouldn't, you shouldn't push a wide receiver back from that type of injury. You shouldn't push a quarterback back into action off of a throwing shoulder injury. If this was a a non-throwing shoulder, put some extra padding around it. Maybe, you know, put a special type of tape on him or a sling under his jersey that kind of helps that thing stay stabilized and just make sure you're you're chip blocking to that side of him at all times and remind him, hey, dude, you can't fall on that side of your arm. This is a throwing shoulder injury. And we saw the way he got re-injured in Buffalo. It wasn't a fall. It wasn't a hit. It was an arm swatting his arm as he's trying to throw the ball. That's an NFL quarterback. That's a lot of force being put behind that arm swing. And when that arm swing gets suddenly jerked back like that, th- there's no way to come out of that healthy. And there, there's no way that that this is going to make any sense. And we've already seen timing issues with James Winston and his receivers this year, even before the injury. I, I think we're just going to see even more. Um, but I do think it, it kind of leaves the door open so that Saturday or, or Sunday morning, Dirk Cutter can come back out and say, oh, you know what? It just it hasn't progressed the way we thought it would in practice. Ryan Fitzpatrick's going out there instead. Man, I hope he does say that, but I'm, I sincerely doubt it. No, I don't think it's happening either, but I think it leaves the door open. so that Because he got some criticism, remember, when it, went, and when it happened in Buffalo, because he said Jameis was fine. And then was it? I think it was Buffalo. He said Jameis was fine, and then like in the press, in the presser after that game or something, he mentioned that oh yeah, well Jameis had a setback during practice this week, and everybody's like whoa whoa whoa, you didn't tell us anything about a setback. He's like oh yeah, you know, no big deal. And they were like no, that's a big deal because <sighs> that's not what you told us. So I think so that's why I kind of honed in on that because it, it feels to me like he's kind of learned from that experience where he was like no, Jameis is fine, and then turns out no, he wasn't. Well, this kind of leaves the door open like i said so that if on saturday or sunday he decides to go with fitzpatrick or he decides to go with griffin the media can't say well you told us james was good he's like no i said we would see how it goes and you know we'll take it day by day because you know you know about these things and and that just kind of gives him that out if that makes sense yeah that's fair that's absolutely fair dave i'm going to jump into a quote real quick that really really stood out to me and this is from Deshaun Jackson. Of course, he was not a participant in practice, as we've already covered. I, I think you're on on point, though. I think this is kind of a veteran, you know, going to take the day off. He'll be fine. He'll suit up. He'll play. But they, uh, somebody in the media had asked him about Jameis returning. And he said, it's going great. I, I missed that guy the past couple of games. Uh, he's healthy finally now, so it's a great addition to have back. All we can do is take it one game at a time and try to finish as strong as we can. It's a great thing to have him. Here's my my question. Is Deshaun Jackson being honest here? Because I actually kind of find it a little hard to believe that he's this excited to have Jameis back. When Jameis was in... Deshaun was not getting involved in the games. The only way, and this is something that I've harped on for a few weeks, the only way Deshaun Jackson was getting involved in the game plan was on deep passes. 
they mm-hmm. weren't throwing him the little screens or or the quick slants or the intermediate passes or the crossing routes or or anything like that. It was deep ball, deep ball, deep ball, deep ball. And it was miss after miss after miss. Right. Since Fitzpatrick has been in, Deshaun Jackson has you know led the team in receptions, what, two out of the three starts by Fitzpatrick? Yeah. Yeah. He just matched his his most receptions since 2014 this past Sunday. He's getting those short to intermediate passes. They're letting his legs try to make plays. They're letting his speed try to take over and create mismatches. And now I would be willing to bet just about anything that on Sunday, the only way Deshaun Jackson is getting any targets is on these deep balls again. So do you think this is kind of you know, quote unquote, coach speak from a star receiver that he's this excited that Winston is back? Or do you think maybe he realizes the injury that they've been dealing with is more than what we had been told, more than what we had been led to believe, and they might have that connection that it appeared that they had during training camp in the offseason when they were, you know, having these these highlight real plays during practice? I don't think he's being disingenuous. I think so. I actually kind of looked this up just a, just a little while ago. Deshaun has more catches in four Fitzpatrick starts than he did in five Winston starts. Yep. Now, to, to be fair, one of those starts is the Arizona game, and he did have a couple catches in that game. I'm not sure. I didn't go back to check who threw those passes, but either way, even if you give those two to Jameis, it's still. It's still it's still in favor of Fitzpatrick. So in four games, he's got more catches from Fitzpatrick than he did from Winston in five. Now is that is that fourth Fitzpatrick game that you're counting the Saints game when Jameis started but left after what was no, it, the first so four quarter starts? Like so, I went to the starts. That's that's the kind of the the the, the key word that I'm using there is, right. is starts. Um, and okay. it's the first, like I said, it's the first because Fitzpatrick's got four. So I went to Jameis's first five just because. If if you're starting quarterback, star receiver, five starts, you should be able more productive than the backup with four. Is kind of the way I looked at it. Right? Didn't get too deep into numbers. This isn't like anything like we did yesterday. So oh, just kind of surface <laughs> stuff, right? But what that what that shows though is just is exactly what you said. The, the way they're using him over the last four weeks is much more effective than the way they were the way they're using him the first uh, five weeks. And I don't really put that on Jameis. I put that on play call and scheme. I think that you know just not to bring up. Uh, dead horses, but fourth and one, let's run a 15-yard seam route to a tight end. That's the mentality that this team has had on offense all season long, and that is part of the reason that Jameis and Deshaun have had such a hard time connecting because when they did use Deshaun short and Jameis was looking for him short, they had success. They had, you know, what I think it was a 40-yard run and catch, or a catch and run where Deshaun caught the ball, I think, six yards off the line of scrimmage. You know, um, those are those are yards that go in Winston's pocket just as much as they go into Jackson's. So I think he's genuinely excited because one thing I believe about James Winston is as confident as he is, he's also a very humble person. And I think he's willing to learn lessons. I, I don't think he's an uncoachable guy. I think he's a guy who who genuinely comes in and he will learn everything he can from every situation. And sitting on the sideline, I think he's possibly noticed how Ryan Fitzpatrick has been using Deshaun Jackson and how effective it's been because it's been very effective. And if Deshaun Jackson is as bold as he is a wide receiver, as I imagine he is, 
he's probably going back into the meeting rooms or during the practices or, you know, during the lulls in the day and saying, hey, Jameis, see what we're doing out here? You and me, when you come back, we're going to do the same thing, but we're going to do it even bigger. You know what I mean? Deshaun came here for Jameis Winston. Deshaun came here because he believed in what Jameis Winston sold, what Jameis Winston was for the Buccaneers, and he believed that the Buccaneers' offense was something he could come into and really take to a whole new level. And even though Deshaun Jackson is getting used more, there's still part of him that wants that decision to have been a right decision. So I don't think any player is going to be upset to see the guy that they came to the team to play with come back um, from injury. And if he really believes that he's healthy, then, you know, of course he's excited. And, and of course, he's, he's ready to get things going. So hopefully, like I said, you know, hopefully in Green Bay, we see more of that short yard usage and allowing Jackson to kind of catch the ball and run. And actually looking at the injury reports while we were talking, I mentioned Kevin King yesterday, and he's had a shoulder injury and didn't participate in practice for the Packers today. So he he may not even be on the field, and he's a guy I kind of identified as somebody who who might be a problem for the Buccaneers passing game. So if Kevin King can't go, there's just one more you know, uh, up arrow, I guess, for the possibility of of Deshaun Jackson and, and Jameis Winston having a, a fairly successful reunion this weekend. Yeah, I, I sure hope so. And and David, while you were chatting, I, I jumped on uh, and I checked. And yeah, <clears throat> Fitzpatrick has only started three games this year, not four. It was um, the Jets, the Dolphins, and the Falcons. So yeah, he's two and one as a as a starter this season. Okay, maybe I did. Maybe I did. Uh, I don't have it pulled up anymore. Maybe the but numbers I mean, are wrong, but either way, the catch disparity still, is there. You're still looking at 16 receptions for Deshaun Jackson in the last three weeks, and then 10, 15, 18, 21, compared to 27 in the previous eight games. So right. you're looking at a a you know, I, I can't do decimals that quickly in my head, but you're looking at more receptions per game with Fitzpatrick as a starter. And, of course, he did play in that New Orleans game, and Fitz did play the second half of that Arizona game, which which equates to um, to five of those receptions, uh, five of those 28. So you're looking at, at 16 and three games, and then twenty three and and five. So yeah, I mean your your point still stands that the the rece- receptions per game have increased in the style that Fitzpatrick has used him as the starting quarterback for the Bucks. Yeah. So, all right. Well, David, I think that's going to do it for uh, for this episode. And uh, we would like to thank each and every one of you for joining us. As we uh, we start this this fun little roller coaster ride that's going to be the Locked On Bucks podcast. So once again, you can find us on Twitter at the Pewter Plank at Locked On Bucks. I'm at jyarko underscore bucks. David is at dh82 underscore bucks. We would like to thank each and every one of you for joining us right here at Locked On Bucks. <laughs>